Mark chapter 6, John chapter 6. While you're turning there, you're there, and now you're waiting for everybody else to get there, how many of you like to lend your stuff out? We asked this question in our small group recently, but I want to ask it to everybody. How many of you like to lend your stuff out? Anybody? (laughs) There's only a couple of hands going up. All right? If you have a car, a really nice car, a truck, how many of you would be willing to lend that vehicle out? Okay, you got a couple, just a couple people. All right, maybe, maybe you would say, well, it's dependent upon who's borrowing it, right? Okay, now we're getting a whole lot of head shaking, all right? If it was someone you really trusted, it would be way easier to lend out, right? Uh, maybe if it was your children, maybe. <laughs> nope. So, all right, so maybe it was somebody you trusted, maybe not somebody you know, but somebody you trust, all right? But what if it was somebody you had no idea who they were? Somebody, just some stranger come up and say, hey, can I borrow your vehicle? Absolutely not. You'd be a fool to do so, all right? That makes trusting people when you don't know them, it makes trusting them with your vehicle that much more difficult where someone falls on the trust scale will determine how much you're willing to hand over, right? Where someone falls on the trust scale is, will determine how much you're willing to hand over. So if I've never met you, I might be willing to give you a dollar, right? Maybe. We'll see. But our story today asks the question, how much are we willing to reach out and hand over? How much are we willing to reach out and hand over? Mark chapter 6 and John chapter 6. I actually want to start in Mark and actually look with me in verse 31. Mark chapter 6 and just going to read verse 31. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Now I want you just to stop there because last week we talked about the Sabbath and how Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and how much uh, uh, we need rest and as human beings we need some rest and God has designed and created some of these things for us and with us in mind. But in order to understand this verse we need to understand the context around it. Jesus and his disciples had just learned that Jesus' cousin John was just beheaded. They had just learned that John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one who was going before declaring that Jesus was coming. In fact, at one point he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That John the Baptist was just beheaded by Herod. His disciples, John's disciples, come and tell Jesus and his disciples all the bad news. So you can imagine the heaviness of their heart. You can imagine, uh, if you will, put yourself in maybe my position, a pastor just down the road is killed for preaching. How do you think that would make us feel? Uh, if you care about me, I hope you, that would make you feel really bad, okay? That would make me feel bad, like, okay, what's coming next? We know John was imprisoned, and we know uh, that, that uh, through many circumstances, Herod did not want to kill John because he was respected by the people. But in a moment of lustful desire, he makes a promise and has to stay good on his promise. 
And John the Baptist had his brought to his wife at that time, Herodias, on a charger, a platter. And we think, oh my goodness. John the Baptist just being killed. Jesus and his disciples are hard at work. Notice in verse 31, they had no leisure, not so much as to eat. They were working so hard they didn't have time to stop and eat. Now, I don't go very long without eating. Okay, sometimes I may skip lunch, maybe, but it's pretty rare that I would ever skip one, two, or even three meals, but these guys were working so hard, they were coming and going, they had no leisure so much as to eat. They didn't have time to stop and rest, and now they were headed to the other side. Notice verse 31 again, and he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. They're getting ready to go to the other side of the, of the, the sea to get some much needed rest. So just that, that, this is so important to the story, you can't miss this. They need rest. They are gassed. They are exhausted. They have exerted themselves so much they didn't have time to eat. Verse 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship, privately. By the way, if you're wanting to get some rest, don't tell anybody where you're going. Okay, I tried to take a nap, I think, three times this week. Guess what? My kids knew where I was every time. You don't get much rest when you have kids who know where you are. Verse 33, and the people saw them, ha, caught, departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. So picture this again, Jesus and his disciples get in a boat, they're going to the other side. The people see them, hey, where are they going? And instead of getting in a boat and following them, they run around the sea. If you've been to Israel, you know that that is actually possible. And they get to the other side, and the Bible says they outwent them, they got there before them. And so verse 34 says, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, <laughs> right? Oh no, that's not Jesus. Look what Jesus, the Bible says about him, and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. I want you to draw your attention to the compassion of Jesus. Jesus has compassion, and most of us would see, oh man, they beat us here. How did they know where we were going? How did they find us? But Jesus sees them, and he's moved with compassion because they are sheep without a shepherd. He just looked at these people and knew they were coming because they needed direction. Whether they were there for that particular purpose or not, these people needed someone to lead them and to guide them spiritually. They needed it. They were sheep having no shepherd. They had no one to guide them. And he saw them in that light and had compassion on them. But notice with me, if you would, the disciples don't have the same perspective. <laughs> the disciples don't have the same perspective at all. Look at verse 35. And when the day was now far spent, getting late, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Look at look what they say. Send them away. That they may go into the country roundabout and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. <laughs> they were the complete opposite of Jesus. 
All right, Jesus, we came here to rest. We came here to spend some time to get away. We still haven't eaten. Now send them away. We want them to go away. This is getting exhausting. Go away. They need to be out of here because we need some rest. They can go into the cities and villages from whence they came. They can buy their own bread. Send them away. So very simply, the disciples did not have compassion. They only cared about themselves, right? And, and we're pretty hard on the disciples, right? We're pretty hard on them. We think, man, what a bunch of losers. You got all these people in front of you, and you don't want to minister to them? Come on, people. It's very easy when you're tired and hangry that you don't really want to be around people, especially a multitude of people, especially people who are constantly calling on you and asking you to do things. You just want to rest. The disciples wanted a little R&R. And we can get extremely judgmental and harsh on the disciples, but they were just tired and hungry. And again, the news of John the Baptist would have been extremely heavy on them. They'd been serving and helping for days on end, and they genuinely needed a break. So I want you to notice verse 37. The Bible says this, And he, being Jesus, answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. I just, I can see the color move from their face. Like, you've got to be kidding me. He says, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Very sarcastic, almost a little harsh back to Jesus. And I can just see the, maybe the welling of frustration come upon them. Here we see Jesus throwing the onus of responsibility on the disciples. Give ye them to eat. You, go get them something to eat. Now, again, this is just my thought process, all right? Can you imagine the shock, the horror on their face? Like, what? You got to be kidding me. How could you ever do that? How could you give us this command? Like, what in the world are we going to give them? All of these problems, all of these questions. Now, that was Mark chapter 6. Keep your finger there. We'll turn, we will turn back there. John chapter 6, please, in verse 1. John chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says this, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. This is the same exact story in a different passage. Verse 5, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company un coming unto him, he saith unto Philip, watch, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Hey, what are we going to feed these people? A little bit of a different perspective because John is writing it. But same story. Hey, what are we going to give these people to eat? Notice verse 6. Watch this. And this he said to prove him. For he, being Jesus himself, knew what he would do. I want you to notice this. This is incredibly important because Jesus asked this question for a very particular purpose. Jesus asked this question for a reason. Jesus had a lesson that he wanted to teach his disciples. I want you to notice that the disciples didn't have anything. They had nothing left. They didn't have any food with them because they haven't had time to eat. They haven't done anything. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any energy. And obviously, they didn't have any good ideas. 
their only idea was, Let's, what do you want us to do? Go buy bread? The disciples didn't have anything. They were completely and utterly drained. And again, I can almost hear the sarcasm or the snarkiness in their voice. Shall we get 200 penny worth of bread and feed them? It is estimated that 200 penny worth of bread is estimated to be six to eight months wages. So this wasn't just a little bit of money. This was actually quite a large sum of money. And they're saying, listen, if we just go buy 200 penny worth of bread, if we go buy all of this bread for all of these people, number one, how are we going to feed them all? Number two, if we do get enough to feed them all, that 200 penny worth of bread is not going to buy them very much. Just a small morsel. Yeah, verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. So it's just a small morsel. If we do go buy it, where are we going to find that much bread in the cities around? We're in a desert place or a remote place. Number four, right? This is how we do this, don't we? Number four, how are we, 12 disciples, going to get that much bread back here? And again, I can just, just picture this with me. They are like, no way, we are not doing this. We are tired, we are we're just exhausted. 200 penny worth of bread wouldn't be enough. Surely it would not be enough to sustain them. Now I want you to stop right here. I want you to think, Jesus had literally brought them to the end of themselves. They had nothing. They had nothing but problems. They had nothing to give. They had no energy to go get. They had no money to go get. Jesus had literally brought them to the end of themselves. And sometimes I think it's easy for us to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, how come you can be compassionate upon the people that are in front of you, but you're not being compassionate to the disciples? Can't you see how tired they are? Can't you see that they don't have anything? In fact, Jesus was being compassionate. Jesus was trying to show them something. He was trying to teach them something in their lives. He was getting ready to teach the disciples an amazing lesson. And I believe Jesus wants us to learn the same lesson this morning. I have three statements that I would encourage everyone to write down today. Find a place to write them down. Just three statements this morning. Number one, write it down. I am insufficient. I am insufficient sufficient. I want you to understand this morning that the problem was not a small problem. I've spent a great deal of time trying to develop the problem so that you understand it. The problem was not a small problem. There were at least 5,000 people here to feed. This is a big deal. At least 5,000. And there were only 12 disciples. And Jesus puts the onus of responsibility on them and says, Feed them. And they think, we don't have enough money to go and buy bread. We don't have enough energy to go and get the bread. They have all these excuses. Jesus asks a simple question. You can see it again in verse 5. Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Where are we going to get enough bread to feed all these people? Very simple question. The disciple's solution is send them away. Let them go get their own bread. Let them go do what they need to do. We can't do anything else. 
they need to go do it. I want you to notice that the disciples were focused on the immensity of the problem. They were focused on the immensity of the problem. They were focused on their insufficiency. Jesus, we can't send them away. We can't send them away. It's, 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 it's a failure. And their insufficiency compounded the problem. Maybe if they were energetic and they had a bunch of food in the, in the camels and all these different things, right? Like, man, we would be able to feed them. But listen, their insufficiency compounded the problem. And so maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I got these problems. I got these things in my life that I genuinely don't know what to do with and I feel insufficient. I feel like an absolute failure. And my insufficiency is compounding the problem. You're right smack dab in the, hu- in the huge problem. You can't see a way out. You can't figure out how it's all going to work out. You're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, but the more you try, the more frustrated you are. Your insufficiency is killing you. The more you think about it, the more you think about that problem, the more stressed you get, the more anxious you get, the more depressed you get, the more overwhelmed you become because it is such a major problem. In fact, I've heard people say this, it actually exhausts me to think about it. Just thinking about it exhausts me. Listen, you're pretty much to the point that you're just going to throw your hands up in the air and just quit. Send them away. I can't do it. You're to that point. Just write it down. I am insufficient. Now hold on. Jesus asks us another question. Go to Mark chapter 6 again. Keep your finger in John 6. Mark chapter 6. Look at verse 37. He answered and said to them, give you them to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? We don't have anything. Are we going to go buy a bunch of food? Verse 38, watch this. He asked another question. He saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. Jesus is basically saying, I know you don't have much to offer, but listen, what do you have? What do you have? So number two is actually a question more than a statement. Number two is, what can I offer? What can I offer? I am insufficient. I have nothing. But what do I have? What can I give? Go back to John chapter 6. Look at verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, being Jesus, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Notice what he says, but what are they among so many? Five barley loaves and two small fishes. So this, this verse tells us that they get these five loaves and two fishes from a little lad, a little boy. Now I want you to notice exactly what this little boy had. He had what, quote, five barley loaves. Five barley loaves and two small fishes. It's my understanding from studying this passage that the word barley is used here for a reason. Okay, barley was among the lowest grade of bread that you could buy. 
In fact, it's often mentioned that, that barley was never to be consumed by human beings. It was too low for them. It was used for the donkeys and for the animals. Now, there's, the barley's all over the Bible, but this is particular. So this was not like extremely wonderful bread. This was like bread just to get by on. This was like three-day-old stale bread. This was not your cream of the crop bread. This was just five loaves. And then notice, two small fishes. Now this was not two massive salmon fillets. Right? Completely covered in olive oil. Salt and pepper with a little bit of dill sprinkled over the top. Can you picture it? Woo! In fact, these are two small fishes. Now, if, if you're a fisherman, this is how you measure fish, right? It was this big. Okay, but gee, the, the wording is so important here, okay? Two small fishes. In fact, Strong's Dictionary describes small as condiments. Anchovies. Sardines. That's how small they are. They were probably dried out, used for condiments. Listen, people, these are minnows. Tiny little fish, just enough to maybe uh, put a little bit of flavor on the barley bread. You say, Pastor Jones, why in the world are you telling us all this stuff? I'm not telling you just for history's sake or for understanding of the Bible's sake. Listen, I'm telling you this to show you the immensity of the problem. The problem is this was probably not even a dinner fit for a little lad, let alone 5,000 grown men. This was probably just enough to give that little boy enough energy to walk home. This was a tiny, ridiculous, useless lunch or dinner. And here, the Bible is so specific. It was absolutely a pitiful meal. My mind can't help but wonder about this little boy. Did he overhear Jesus and the disciples talking about this, discussing this? Was he traveling with them? Did the disciples start asking around, does anybody have any food? I have no idea, but all I know is this. This poor little boy gave his poor little lunch to some tired old disciples. Poor little boy gives his poor little lunch to some tired old disciples. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? Sounds impossible. In fact, Andrew even asks there in verse 9, but what are they among so many? This is impossible. What are they among so many? I want you to understand this. Stephen Cole, commentator, says this. We must yield what we have not what we don't have. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? This little boy, all he had was a lunch. All he had was a meal, a small meal. That's it. It was ridiculous. It was minuscule. It was pitiful. But that's all they had, and they gave it. You might think this sounds ridiculous or obvious, but so often we make up excuses about what we don't have and we fail to offer Jesus what we do have. Let me say that again. We make up all kinds of excuses and we fail to offer Jesus what we do have because we constantly want to offer what we don't have. We will often say things like this. If I had more money, I would give it to missions. 
If I had more time, I would pray more. If I had more, you fill in the blank, then I would give it. If I, if I had $10,000, I for sure would give $5,000 to the Lord. If I had two cars, I for sure would donate one of them. If I, again, fill in the blank of whatever you want. If I had, I would for sure. Jesus does not what you want what you don't have. Hear me, don't miss this. Jesus does not want what you don't have. He wants what we do have. So let me ask this question. What do you have? What do you have this morning? The whole point of the message today is bring what you have. What do you have? You say, Pastor Yolens, I don't have much. I don't have a million dollars. If I had a million dollars, I for sure would give some. Let me ask you, you may not have a million dollars, but do you have one dollar? Do you have one dollar? You may not have an entire day to give, but can I ask, do you have one hour? One hour? You may not have bread, but hear me, do you have some flour? What do you have? We all, we all have something. This poor little boy with a poor little lunch gives to these depleted, unenergetic, discouraged, heavy-hearted disciples and said, this is all I got. And the disciples go, here Jesus, this is all we have. What do you have? Reach out with what you have and you just might be surprised what Jesus can do with it. The second statement is what can I offer? Number three is Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is sufficient. You're in John chapter 6. Stay there with me. Look at verse 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, about 5,000, verse 11. And Jesus, I love this, took the loaves, those five barley loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would, verse 12, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Are you kidding me? Most of you probably know this story, but understand, Jesus does a miracle. I want you to know this. First of all, he gives thanks. When everybody else is like, oh, this is not very good, what does Jesus do? He gives thanks. Thank you for what you've already given me. Can I encourage you? Thank God for what you have. Thank God for what you have. You may not be the most talented person in the world, but thank God for what you have. You may not be the richest person in the world, but thank God for what you have. You may not have the best kids in the world, but thank God for what you have. Listen, you may not have the best marriage in the world, but thank God for what you have. You may not have it all together. Thank God for what you have. Jesus takes their complete and utter insufficiency, and what does he do? He multiplies it. So much so that 5,000 men, we believe there are probably women and children there as well, 5,000 people at least are fed to the full, as much as they could eat, and then there was 12, interestingly enough, 12 baskets left over for those depleted disciples. He takes what they have, and multiplies it to over 5,000 people. A meal that was not fit for one man is now fit for 5 
thousand men. I love this. Bruce Hurt quotes it. Quotes this: "Man's extremity is God's opportunity." Listen, God wants you at the end of yourself. God wants you where you think I can't do it. I am insufficient. Here's what I do have, God. I don't know what to do with it, but here it is. You do with it what you want. And Jesus says, oh, thank you. I will. And he will multiply it beyond anything you could ever imagine. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. When you're at the end of yourself, that's when God steps in and says, all right, here we go. Let's do something miraculous. Jesus was trying to teach the disciples and really all the people were there that little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. If they would just have faith that God could use what they had, then they would give it to him and he would multiply it. Do you have faith that God can use what you have? Do you have faith that God can use what you have? Then trust him enough to give it to him. Reach out and give it to Jesus and let him multiply it. So what do you have today? What can you give to the Lord? You might be sitting there thinking, well, it's not much. doesn't matter. Just give it to him. Just give it to him. Will you reach out to the world? Will you reach out to the world by giving what you have to Jesus? Listen. You might not feel like you have a lot to give to your marriage. Don't miss this. You might think that you don't have a lot to give to your marriage. Give it to Jesus and let him multiply it. Whatever you have to give, give it to Jesus and let him multiply it. You might think that you don't have much to give in the way of parenting or grandparenting. Man, I just don't know what I can do. Give it to Jesus and let him multiply it. You don't know what he can do in the lives of your children and grandchildren. Give it to Jesus. You might think, I don't know what I could possibly ever say to my neighbor. I don't know how I'm going to reach out to them. I don't even know what to reach out to them with. Listen, can I just encourage you? Give it to Jesus and let him multiply it. I don't know what to say to my coworker. I don't know what to do in this particular situation. I'm, I'm in a medical dilemma. I'm in a financial dilemma. I don't know what to do. Can I encourage you? Just give it to Jesus and watch him multiply it. Most often what we do is we say, hey, Jesus, I have five loaves and two fish. It's not very much. Here you go. Oh, never mind. I'm going to eat that. Hey, Jesus, I've, I've got this. Oh, never mind. And we constantly keep doing this number. We're psyching everybody out and we think, I've given it to Jesus, but we keep taking it back. Listen, give it to Jesus, fully, completely surrendering it to him. We cannot accomplish anything without Jesus. We are too tired, we are too weak, we are too feeble. We do not have what it takes, but notice God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. He can take five barley loaves and two really ridiculously small fishes and make them into a meal fit for 5,000 men. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You may not know how to get out of this position. You may not know how to get through this particular problem in your life. But hear me. Give it to Jesus. You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Jesus is the one who can do it. And he wants to do it with you. 
Listen, you know that Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and, and, and manna could have fallen from this guy? Quail could have come flying out of the east wind. and He's done it before. But listen, God wanted to use the disciples. Jesus wanted to use this little boy. Listen, Jesus wants to do it with you. So often we pray for something. Okay, God, fix this. And Jesus says, okay, go ahead and fix it. And we go, oh, but I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough resources. And he says, well, what do you have? Why don't you give that? Again, you may not have an entire day, but maybe have an hour. What do you have to give to Jesus? I love this quote from Randy Kilgore. When Jesus asks us to get involved, he already knows how he will accomplish his work through us. When he says, hey, I want you to get involved, he already knows how it's going to end. He already knows how he's going to supply. We just have to give him what we have. What do you have this morning? You must understand that we can't, but God can. So give him what we have. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Father, I'm so grateful for your word and for the different perspectives. What an awesome story you've given us. But Father, today here we stand. Father, truly, sometimes many of us think we don't have much. But Father, we have so much. We are so rich. Father, what we need more of is we need more of you. And so, Father, I pray that today every person, every person that is here today, that is listening to this today, Father, would give you what they have. They would surrender that to you fully and completely. And, Father, you would then take that and multiply it significantly. Father, I pray for myself. Lord, there's been some things that I've held back from you. I pray that today would, that would change. I would say, Lord, here's, here's my basket. Here's my lunch. Here's my dinner. Take it and use it. Father, I pray that each person today would know that. Father, maybe there's one here today that doesn't know you. They're still holding on. They're still trying to work out their own salvation. They're still trying to get to heaven on their own. Father, you've said that the only way is through Jesus Christ. So would we give that over to you today? If there's one here, I pray that they would stop trying to work out, work their own salvation. But Father, that they would give it to you. Realize that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come unto the Father but through Jesus Christ. I pray that they would give that over to you today. For the rest of us, Father, help us to give what we have to you. We'll pray all these things in your name.